Welcome in. Before we get rolling, I want to tell you about the awesome sponsors that are keeping this free for you guys. First on the list, we have Pacific Custom Calls. If you're looking for a waterfowl call at all, ducks, geese, cranes, whatever you're after, uh, Pacific Calls have got it. I personally run the uh, 509 Goose Call. Been doing it for a couple years, and I love it. Haven't had any issues with it yet. Uh, the guys over there are awesome. So if you're looking for a new call, you can find them at PacificCustomCalls.com. Uh, search them up, find what you need. If they don't have it, they will soon. Next, we have DuckSeason.com. Uh, this is a website where you can go on, uh, put in your location, where you're at, what you hunt, what you go after, and you can link up with people from across the country and see what they go after, where they're at, and you guys can trade hunts. Uh, it's an awesome deal. If you uh, don't have the money to do a guided hunt or you don't want to have a guide and you just kind of want to do somewhat freelance, this is a uh, great way to do it. So get on there, get signed up. Just takes a couple seconds to uh, get your info in there and you're uh, on the list and people can search through your state and find you. And It's a great thing. I'm on it. Look for me there. Maybe we can trade a hunt someday. Now we have Easy Deeks uh, decoy rigging systems, decoy weight systems. They do Texas rigs, timber rigs, whatever you're looking for for your floating uh, decoys or decoy bags or anything like that. They got it there. Uh, check them out. A lot of cool stuff on there. Their website is the letters E-Z-Dekes.com. Um, a lot of cool things on there. Go check them out. Now we got Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's down in the San Antonio area. He's chasing all sorts of ducks and geese down there along with some fishing. Uh, if you're down in the area looking for uh, some birds or for some fishing, give him a call. His number is 361-494-7868. Now for your decoy needs, you should go check out Big Al's decoys. Uh, silhouettes of about any bird you can think of, he's got on there. Uh, swans, ducks, geese, pigeons, turkeys, and uh, possibly some more cool things in the future. Big things. So uh, if you're looking for some decoys, go check them all out. They got bags and everything on the site. Uh, it's BigAlsDecoys.com. B-I-G-A-L-S-D-E-C-O-Y-S.com. And on to... Uh, a custom lanyard site if you're looking to uh, get a new lanyard hang your calls on looking for something to get customized uh, Landon does a great job he's at uh, Darkwater Customs you can find him on Instagram and put an order through him that way at dark underscore water underscore customs get on there check it out he does some awesome work uh, not just lanyards he does haulers too so uh, get after it go get him go get something cool from him now we've got Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano over in Northeast Kansas. He specializes in waterfowl, turkey, deer. I know for waterfowl season coming up, he's uh, ready and raring to go. So if you're looking for a hunt over in that area, give him a call. His number is 785-410-2304. And last but not least, we have Highline Retrievers. That's my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. Uh, if you're looking to get your dogs trained, if you're looking for advice... Uh, whatever you need, I'm always available. I'm always uh, willing to help out. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. And then if you need to get a hold of me, uh, my number is 406-783-7083. Thanks a lot. Thanks to all of our sponsors. And enjoy the show. Well, the took wing, shotgun singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And then he got three and looked back grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload. The country was cold. 
Welcome to the Woods and Water Podcast. This is Garrett. Today I have Wes Calvert from the Final Descend Podcast. And uh, today we're going to be talking with Trevor Bennett. So Trevor, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Trevor. Um, I'm 25. been guiding since I was 16. Uh, Canada, Arkansas, Texas. Um, just chasing geese mostly. I don't mind too much for the ducks, but when they're there, I'll kill them. Um, I worked for Alberta's Fall Flight in uh, Canada, and then Crooked Wing Outfitters in Texas, and Snow Addictions in Arkansas. Okay, so you're weird. I'll start with that. And you like to chase snow geese and abuse yourself. How did you uh, fall into that? Well, actually, I was working in Colorado, uh, and I was working for a UFC fighter there. Uh, I'd done some guiding in college, and uh, I got a, a. I was talking to a dude who was working down there for a while, and he was like, oh, shit, we just had a guy leave. We need someone. Um, can you get over here? Uh, in the next week or so and, and come around snow hunts for us. And uh, that was Jake Whiteman and went down and hunted with him there for like 40 days and didn't even know like what I was really getting into. I knew that the snow goose thing was cool and I'd always wanted to do it. And like the first snow goose hunt that I actually went on was one that I well, guided, even though I was just Jake's helper. Um, but yeah, we we're sitting in a, sitting in a pea field or in a bean field and uh, laying in the full bodies and, just absolutely roasted them, just throwing up. I don't know, killed like 150 that first day or something. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I thought it was. And then, um, just took off from there. Well, that's ridiculous. Your first one was one that you were <laughs> guiding. So you weren't much yeah. up or were you, uh, just a bird boy or what? Well, I could set the hell out of a decoy, but, uh, <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I just didn't know anything um just pulled into the field jake was like all right you know we're we're hooking this up we're pulling out into here and it's and if anyone knows jake it's uh it's it's never a yeah we're pulling out into here it'll be easy if he says it's going to be easy you're probably in for the ride of your life um, <laughs> we were we pulled in through a road field and we're taking the four-wheeler and the sleds through a road field and just i mean just beating the hell out of ourselves and uh yeah, we get in there and first flock goes and lands in a cotton field behind us. And he was like, yep, that's snow goose hunting. And I'm like, okay, okay. And th- this was in 2018. Um, and it was a pretty good, it was a really good spring. We, we killed a lot, a lot of geese that year. Um, and had I started a year later, I probably never would have hunted those things ever again. But the year that I went down there and got to do it the first time, I was pretty spoiled and um, very grateful for that for sure. Because... I have experienced 2019 on my own with no knowledge above me, and uh, it was rough. We killed some geese, and we were probably one of the only groups in in the whole country to actually shoot over 100 birds that year. And we did it a few times, but it wasn't it wasn't easy. I mean, it was 100, and then we killed zero the next day. So, so you went from that first one; they just kept you on all season. And then you decided to stay, stick with them and do it some more next year? How did it go from there? Yeah, yeah but it was, I was working for some guys. Um, they were they're based out of Arkansas, but they had an operation in Canada as well. Um, and Jake and I don't work for those guys anymore. Um, good people, but um, just kind of slower for the, what we wanted to do. Now Jake and I both work for Snow Addictions, but we uh, – 
we went through the whole season there. Um, I went back up to Colorado. Uh, it was about probably a month after. So it had been like, I don't know, beginning of April or something like that. They offered me a job and were like, Hey, we want you to come work for us full time. Like, you know, eight months a year, our Canada operation, our operation in Arkansas, um, and then go back up in the spring and run snow goose hunts. And I was like, yeah, I'm all down for that for sure. So we went up there in the fall, the first year and, um, I don't know, it was, it could have been a lot better than it was. Um, those guys were pretty green on Canada. They've been up there a lot, but they just were, I don't know. They weren't very, uh, I guess, capable on their own with stuff. And mm -hmm. so I was kind of like a 17 year old trying to run my own operation with two guys telling me what to do above it. And it was, I don't know, it was tough. I'd see one field and then be like, I, I know I'm young. I know that I'm probably going to get my ass kicked, but it's going to be better than that one. And then we'd go hunt that one and get our asses absolutely stomped. And then a day late, dollar short, go shoot the next one, shoot like a half limit because only half the birds come back. And I'm like, all right, yep, this is tough. And so it was that that played its course up there and I could only do that for so long. Um, being the person that I am, I'm, I kind of want to do it my way. Um, I've learned to do it other people's ways growing up, but back then I was fucking hot and full of piss and vinegar and didn't give a fuck. Wanted to do nothing but shoot shit and as much shit as I possibly could. And, uh, it didn't work out there. Um, I made it about halfway through October before, we were like, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm heading out in the morning. You guys have fun. And uh, went back and worked in Washington for a year and then went back up to Canada, worked for another guy the next year. But uh, that was 2019. That was the fall of 2018. Um, and then that, that next spring was 2019. And I ran my own um, operation out of Cache, Arkansas, um, like way north of where we are. So it was pretty rough, but it was me and one other dude that did that then. And uh, I don't know, flooding. Our lodge flooded every other day of the year or of the season. And I don't know, Arkansas is a tough one, man. The snow geese, they, uh, the more and more I chase them, the more and more I have to keep chasing them, but the less that I want to. But so <laughs> So do you follow them all the way back north or do you just, once you're done in Arkansas, you, you call it a spring? Yeah, we go up, uh, I go back home, um, in March, um, do a little bit of calving here, get what horses we want for this, for the summer, um, get everything kind of ready, go for the summer. And then we go back up, uh, like April 1st in Alberta. Um, and then we're up there till May 15th. We chase them there in the spring. That's crazy. That's a lot of snow goose hunting. That's for sure. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And those, those last 40, 45 days that we do it in Alberta is it's a, it's a fucking grind. I mean, we're up at three o'clock in the morning and it's not dark till 10 o'clock at night. And it's, it's brutal, but it's, it's a lot of fun. To start, about to start the season, uh, how many days in a row is it, you know, exciting? Get up in the morning, you go shoot, shoot snow geese, and then at what day does it turn into, ah, oh, shit, we're doing this again? Well, honestly, it, it kind of sucks because, like, um, in Canada, the snows are always, like, sitting on the top north or on the north side of the tree line, and they're, like, waiting to push, and it's not usually, like, 
the beginning of the season when you get to shoot them. So if I was going to Canada right now and I knew that I was going to get to shoot snows on opening day, I'd be a whole different person. But I know that I'm probably not going to see them for like a couple weeks. And then even then, I'm not going to want to mess with them, even though I see them and I'm like, yeah, I got to go, got to go. But I know better <laughs> front line when you don't have to. Um, yeah. But I don't know. And it's Canada's usually pretty fun. And I'm excited this year. I'm in a new area. Um, and the last year and last couple of years that I've been up there, it's been um, about the worst area that you can possibly have for the hatches. Um, just terrible pressure. Um, idiots that the pressure is are complete idiots. And uh, I mean, all the way north of you too, it's the same thing. Like these geese, like you just watch them getting just sky ripped at fucking 60, 70 yards. And it's like, yeah, it's Canada. They're, they're going to square up every single time in front of you but like i don't know it's the pressure thing uh and then drought but the where i'm at in alberta this year we were there for 10 days this last spring and uh we killed a lot in that 10 days there and we're we're our our house that we got for this fall is pretty much dead smack right in the middle of all those pins where we were shooting them really really good there like mid-april so the the pressure that you're getting is it a lot of is it local like is it canadians or is it uh people coming up from the states or you know who's um, who do you... well i guess like where i was at um in saskatchewan um last year it it was kind of a mix like we were kind of middle province and so we weren't like tree line stuff where um like the outfitters are really busting them up and those birds are getting right across. So we were, um, I mean, the birds were plenty shot up by the time that they get to us. They'd have two, three stops before they'd actually get to us. And, uh, okay. the guys that are North of us, um, I don't know. I mean, everyone's just out there killing their shit, but there's, uh, there's some outfitters that were North of where we were that were, I mean, Battleford was north of us, and that's a fucking shit show. So, <laughs> so how big of a f- hockey fan do you become every year once you get up there? Uh, more and more since I've been starting to go to Alberta. Uh, my buddy Sam Bowen, he's freaking as Canuck as they get. He's a, uh, um, he's. <laughs> I met him. I don't know, three years ago, or yeah, probably three years ago now, and. And it's always been when I'm done in Saskatchewan, I'll go pop over and stay at Sam's house for a week. And that week that I stay at Sam's house, the amount of geese that die is fucking insane. Like every year we've gone there, it's just been an absolute just murder. And uh, he's real big into that hockey. Um, he's uh, he's from Camrose, so he likes the Edmonton. I don't, I don't even know what. Oilers. <laughs> Edmonton yeah, Oilers. The Oilers. So yeah, you have to tell so me you're yeah. a Calgary fan, just that way you guys can go to the uh, what do they call it? Well, well, my boss is a Calgary fan. Well, I don't really know if he really cares too much about it, but he's close to Calgary, and we've got some clients that are pretty uh, that are pretty into the hockey things. That we got we got a week that we're going, um, or, or not a week one one of the day, days off that we have this year. We're going to a Flames game, I guess, with, uh. the, with the group and getting to go sit in the fancy boxes and do that so i was like yeah, why not that'll be fun <laughs> so have you ever been to a hockey game uh when i was really little i went to one in over here in boise in idaho um i 
I don't remember it very much. I just remember being there. And other than that, yeah. I don't. They're, they're an absolute blast. So I'm from central Missouri and uh, we have the St. Louis blues, of course. So okay. I've been to, been to a handful of those games and they're, they're an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like, I like hockey. I like the, I like Canadians for sure. Um, the people up there, like, I don't know when you get up there going there to hunt anyways. So it's really cool, but getting up there and just being like in the actual culture. And, um, I, I don't know if I've met, um, like a Canadian that I didn't like, or that like you couldn't just sit there and have a beer with and get on some same level with them, you know? And so I, I love going up there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's getting saturated now. Every, I mean, with the whole waterfowl industry, everyone's, everyone's a guide, everyone's a hunter now. So you got people. And everyone's a podcaster, right, Wes? (laughs) That's right. That's a hundred percent right. Everyone, uh, I don't know, guys that don't deserve to really like see what it is are getting up, getting to go up there and do all that stuff. And I guess I'm not really the one to say that they don't deserve to see it, but I know that they don't work their ass off and they didn't work their ass off to be able to get to be able to go up there and experience it on the level that we get to experience it. So, and I don't know, people, it'll actually work out for them and then other people it won't. So that's one thing, but that's, it's a, it's an enjoyable time of year up there, like mid September, October. So I guess real quick, let's backtrack a bit. So you're a cowboy out there in uh, Oregon. How did you, uh, get into waterfowl hunting Did like you do it growing up or was it something older? Um, so I went to school, um, played baseball. Um, my grandpa has a ranch here. Well, he passed away a few years ago. And so we took it over, um, been running it since then. And then he, uh, he trained or he sold horses. Um, I don't even know how long or how many, um, at one point there was 500 here on this 80 acres at the home piece. And, He's, uh, I mean, he, he'd look at a dollar and, and he'd get that dollar out of you for 80 cents somehow, but <laughs> he was good at it. And so we, we've been doing that quite a bit here. And then, uh, I went to college and played baseball and, um, Trevor Austin came down here when I was like 14 and hunting with me for a week. And we shot. I think there were six of us hunting every day. And for like the four days that we hunted, we shot six man limits of ducks and geese in the morning and night for like, it was nothing. And, um, I went to school in Walla Walla. He was in Spokane, but he guided in Moses Lake. So I got a hold of him and was like, Hey, I need some extra money on the weekend. He was like, yeah, come help me. Like blah, blah, blah. And so went out and did that. Um, worked for a company called honk stomper, Austin Sandman. Um, and he, uh, he let me work there for like two years. I say he let me work there, but I don't know if, if he enjoyed it, if he enjoyed me being there more or if I enjoyed being there more, but, um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was probably the best thing that could have happened in my hunting career was to guide, um, like those in that place because the pressure is unreal. Like, um, I say pressure, pressure, pressure. That's all I complain about is pressure, but it's Moses Lake because there's one lake, all the geese come off of one lake and everything's fucking leased. And so you're hunting geese that don't want to be where you're at and you're hunting geese that want to go over here. 
or you're hunting geese that have already been shot at, or you're hunting geese that you shot yesterday. And it's all, it's all Dave Smith stuffers, pits, like all that fancy stuff, no calling, lots of calling, specific calling, like perfect calling, like all that stuff. And so you get on some of these birds now, like go down to Texas and don't get me wrong. Those Texas geese can get pretty tough, but they, uh, they're a lot dumber than those Washington geese. And so when you have to pull a trick out of the bag, it's a lot easier to find it. But my dad, uh, my dad's best friend, uh, when I was eight, nine, um, they went out just in this wheat field here outside of town. And, uh, there was a bunch of geese in it and he's hunted forever. And, uh, they hunted back in the day and he, uh, they went out and shot their limit in like 30 minutes in the snowstorm. And they were like, shit, we got to take Trevor out the next day. And I had no idea what was going on. And I was just, I jump shot ducks every day, you know, riding in the, the little cricks and stuff here, ride the four wheeler up, stop, sneak up, shoot them. And then, um, so we're, we're out in these, in the middle of this field in the layout blind with these decoys. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like there's nothing fucking here. Like, 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 <laughs> and sure as shit group comes over the, over the skyline and he starts calling at them and falling at them and they're getting closer and they're getting closer and they're getting closer. And I'm like, Holy shit, that's really close. And then all of a sudden, like what one literally landed on my boot bag and my layout blind. And I still got three shots off at it after it touched me and flew away. I still got three shots. Didn't hit it or even touch it. <laughs> Um, but then the next group came in and they, uh, he, he drug my blind back about 15 yards and next group landed in the same spot. And I ended up shooting two out of two out of it and ended up killing three that day in about, I don't know, eight volleys. And I was like, that was freaking epic. Like I gotta do this every day. And then, uh, hunted with him literally any single time that he would go, I was with him. Um, and even when I couldn't drive didn't have a license i was out scouting steal the truck in the house and go and look for birds before my parents would get home and then park it and act like nothing happened and <laughs> next day uh next day go shoot him with him and then he'd figure out that yeah this scout that he scouts pretty good <laughs> like i don't know how he's scouting but he's scouting pretty good and then um i got into high school and got my driver's license and found a real good way that i could basically not go to school and still hunt but still get school credits so it was like this special work experience program and uh basically if you have a signature from an employer you don't don't have to go to class for like this certain amount of time you gotta go work well literally all i did was wake up in the morning go shoot geese and then go to school and then get home and then go shoot ducks that I scouted after I'd get done shooting my geese in the morning. So we would hunt morning, night, morning, night. I think my senior year, I don't know if there was probably five days I didn't hunt. Um, junior year, it was probably a little less than that or a little more than that. But we we were hard on them around here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of been the one thing that I've just eaten up so much in my life. But We had the same type of deal here, but I was dumb and just went to the uh, mechanic shop and uh, worked on tractors. And now here I am working on tractors still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I probably should have went and worked on tractors too. <laughs> um, they, uh, they shut that program down after I graduated. <laughs> they, I, couldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't know why. Yeah. My brother went to school. Uh, he was a freshman when I was 
a junior. And so he, he experienced it. And then after my senior year, they had like a big sit down and they were like, yeah, no one is doing this basically because of what Trevor did. I was like, cool. Well, sucks for you guys. <laughs> I got At least you got to experience it, right? <laughs> yeah. Did they make it the Trevor rule like they do uh, in football, name it after the person that broke the rule? I wish they would have. Um, I took a track or I took a trailer, my trailer here. I'm taking to Canada in a week. Um, I took my last trailer to him. And he said that I sh- I get an award for the most fucked up trailer axle he's ever seen. So how'd you do that? <laughs> just running it, I guess. I don't know. Probably putting way too much stuff in it, wet, and then hitting giant ass potholes at seventy miles an hour. But yeah, I don't know. He uh, he said he's gonna make me a plaque this year uh, <laughs> for the most yeah most effed up trailer axle he's ever seen. That's all they do is fix trailer axles, and he told me that. So, well, and I know if you're like every other waterfowl hunter, you you don't take it easy across the fields either. So, it's usually once I get in the field, I'm slower just because it's the farmer's field, and I don't want to like cause a big ruckus. It's the gravel roads that get the hell on the way there. I'm like, yeah, I'm like sixty miles an hour on the gravel. Well, I don't know if you got prairie trails too, like we have here, just like little two track with grass in between the two tracks. That'll yeah, leave them up here too. And there's some, there's some around where we're at in Alberta. Um, try to stay away from those. They'll slow you down when you're trying to cover a lot of miles. But um, yeah, I mean, Canada's rough on stuff. Arkansas is really rough on stuff. Um, and thankfully, where I'm at in Texas, I get around other people's stuff, so don't have to worry about beating my stuff <laughs> up too much. But I. I know how it goes with other people's stuff because I've had other people use mine. So I try to treat it the best I can, not try to lay off those potholes because the West Texas roads are just about as bad as Canada. I've been on those Canadian highways and they suck too. You're better off driving the gravel than you are the highways in Canada. Yeah. I don't even know why they call them highways. (laughs) They're just, they're just paved pretty much what it is potholes with pavement around it. Yeah. I'm I'm excited this year because where I'm at in Alberta, it's like, it's completely different than where I would where I've always been in Saskatchewan and um, where we were at in Saskatchewan, we were like 20 miles from a town and it, the town had nothing in it. It had a bar that they just order off the Cisco truck and throw it on the grill. It's like nothing special at all. Uh, expensive as hell. And the road to that town was absolutely terrible. I know a guy, he, uh, the frame was off six inches on his truck it bent his truck six inches hitting one pothole on this highway like his and pickup truck wow that's, <laughs> that's insane yeah we had a guy hit that same pothole with a trailer um probably like five years ago and we made it about another mile and the whole basically the spindle where the hub goes on it it had a groove that was i mean i don't know how to explain it basically like your wrist to your arm to your hand like it was just dug in there like two inches and we're like how the hell does that even happen well the tire like it snapped every single piece of steel in that thing and so the pieces that were supposed to disconnect didn't even disconnect right it was other pieces and they just stayed on and yeah so we got out in the middle of the field set the decoy spread pull out and then the tire falls off (laughs) 
Oh. Oh, no. And so we're like, what do we do? We're like, well, let's just like drive the truck away and see if they still come in. And yeah, they still came in, but they get to about 40 yards and they're like, what the 40 yards to the edge of the decoys? And they're like, what the hell is that thing? And then flare out. (laughs) Yeah, that thing stuck sat in the field for like three days, but it was just that one pothole. And well, do you want free healthcare or nice roads? Uh, I don't know. That's the toss up they decided on. I just went through the the surgery process, and I had taken the free healthcare because it was about a month to get in for a surgery that would take an hour, and getting in a month was lucky. So I don't know. The world's screwed up right now. That's all I can say. Without yeah, that's that's for certain. <laughs> Every aspect. All right, Trevor, you're a snow guy, snow goose guy. I'm assuming you like snow geese more than Canada's. Am I right on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So you got a lot of experience with snows, too. Now, how are you hiding your dogs when you're in a snow spread? Because I haven't found a great way yet to do it without putting them like 100 yards behind us or 50 yards behind us or something. Are you? Are you laying in the decoys? Laying in the decoys, yeah. No uh, uh, big blind. My dog, my dog just lay right next to me. I just usually throw like a couple socks or right over the top of where they're at. Um, and then they just tuck right in. They, I don't know. They, they get as close as they possibly can to me. And I hunt them both off the same side. And so they'll just, one of them will pretty much lay against my leg and the other one will lay next to there. And so I'll just run a, run a line of socks between me and the first dog and then run a line of socks between me and the second dog and then line of socks on the other side. I mean, line, I mean like a sock or two, like just to divide us up. And it kind of gives them a good spot to get crouched into those, uh, Mo Marsh stands, those like kennel cots or whatever. Those are a really good, um, good way to get your dog to get into the same spot. So I use that for probably, I don't know, close to a year with both of them. And, would set that there and it would just make them get in the same spot every single time. And then the one day that I didn't take it out, they would get in that same spot. They just know that's where they're supposed to go. Yeah. So it, it kind of makes me nervous doing that. Cause I, you know, he also left side. So if I swing the left at all, it always makes me nervous. The dog's going to pop its head up right there. So I tried to yeah. set him off to the side and I made like a uh, white board as a place board, not like a board, obviously like a fold up, whatever mat of some sort and laid it out. But then it just seemed like trying to hide it every time the dog went, you know, so excited, plows over that front row of decoys. I set around it every time. So every time I got to get up and reset the decoys after I get him back, back into place and everything. And it just kind of seemed yeah, like I've, uh, I've got a decoy head hunter too. My yellow one, I swear to God, he tries to see how many decoys he can knock off the stake every time he gets <laughs> Yeah. I don't, my like black a- dog, she won't touch a single thing, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to say because you're, I mean, you're hunting the smartest bird, like that it, <laughs> it's probably not your dog that's scaring them away. It's probably something so much farther beyond that, but you got to cancel that out too. You know, it's like, um, got to take that out of the line, but with, uh, I don't know, like with the dog thing, with the, the shooting a dog thing and like the dog getting out underneath it and stuff, like certain certain times my dogs will take off like um i mean 
I try to get them to stay in the kennel every time. And it's not like they don't know how to stay. It's not like they break. It's not like they're running out before the shots called or anything, but like, I don't necessarily like, yeah, there's dogs that are good enough. They sit in the kennel every single time and do that every single time. But I want to hunt with a dog that's as soon as the volley's done, they're sitting there freaking scratching their toes at the ground. Like I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And they're the idea I have with my dogs is they're snow goose dogs because everyone can duck hunt. Everyone can honker hunt, but snow goose dogs are a different breed. Um, I mean, most dogs won't get a hundred retrieves in a season. My dogs will get a hundred retrieves in fucking an hour and a half. And, uh, that's kind of like the difference between it is I, when I call the shot, like, I mean, I like to pride myself in landing shit in the decoys, but most of the time they're not two feet off the ground, you know? And even if they are two feet off the ground, like you're laying down flat on the ground, you're like the odds of a dog running in front of you. Yeah, it's going to happen, but that's just one of the things that's destined to happen. Like, like your dog's either going to live till it's 12 years old or it's going to get shot in the back of the head. It's like, it, I don't know. I believe in just things happen for a reason. And my dogs are in the fire line more than 90% of, of dogs or anything. And there's been times where I'm like, Oh shit. Like what the, and, and, nothing came of it but it was like you gotta watch your ass and, and it's not like the dog knows it's not like the dog's out there trying to get shot but they just want to go 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 um and it's just i don't know might one day it might happen um one of my dogs might get shot but that's the the first thing that i always say too like first thing in the safety speech like i don't care if we kill a limit like i give a safety speech every single day um if I've got the same group four years in a row, I'm going to remind them, Hey, you shoot my dog. I shoot you. Um, other than that, <laughs> we're pretty much good. Wait till I call the shot and you know how to hunt. Um, the new groups, I give a pretty good rundown and I'm like, my dogs, they're going to be here. They're going to be here. They might, they might take off here. They might take off here. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot your buddy. Don't shoot my dogs. Um, how big and- of a talk do you have to give on uh, shooting lanes? Because I've been on a few hunts with guys that, it seems like they've never even heard of that in their life. You know, like you're kind of 10 and two type of deal. Your V staying your yeah. Um, earlier in my guiding career, we'd have some pretty rough, rough groups in where like the operations I was working for weren't as top notch as the ones I'm working for now. And so we'd have some pretty shitty clients, like, mm. like guys that would come out that had literally been like, no, I just deer hunt with my 870. And I'm like, what? slugs and they're oh yeah yeah i'm like so you have like a slug barrel on that fucking gun or like what's going on and and they don't know like that you can sit in a layout blind or anything like that and so it gets uh it gets tough with with that but when when you have like the groups that we have now most of them are so prideful and that this three four days of waterfowl hunting that they get to do they practice all year for it and uh they're they're usually more I've experienced that the clients are usually more safe than, um, than they, I guess they even need to be, um, not saying that you can't ever be too safe, but we'll have guys that like, I mean, it'll be day two and I've hunted these guys nine times. And one of the guys out of the group will ask for a safety speech just to remind everyone. And I'm like, I'm all for it. Like for sure. And I'm, I'm not one that ever cuts corners on anything, but 
I'm, you know, some days I don't want to give the same speech. I want to stand up in front of the same nine guys when you've been guiding for 90 days in a row and say the same thing that I already did. And your ass should remember it from yesterday, but <laughs> probably be good to do it every single time. Just give that full speech. But by day three, those guys aren't listening to you. They're sitting there loading their guns. They're talking to their buddy. And it's like, all right, man, like you do you, but, uh, I don't know. I've, I've kicked, kicked a few people out of the field, um, for being unsafe. And that's always a fun, fun time. That, that, that's the quickest way to, to not get an invite back to hunt with me. Like that's my biggest pet peeve is like somebody shooting, somebody I'll take and like shoot over the top of your head or anything like that. Like that's a, that's a no, no for me. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. a, just a big pet peeve. Like just stay in your lane. You know, you don't need to be shooting over the top of anybody's heads. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets it. it I mean, people have a, a weird perspective on the guiding thing too, because of like, if you were even 10 years ago, if you were to go with a guide, it doesn't matter who it is. You're going with the guide. You're knowing that you're going to get on some good shit, probably the best hunt of your fucking life. No questions asked, no jacking around on any of it. Now you go with an outfitter, dude, if you bring your girlfriend, he might try to fucking steal your girlfriend in the middle of the night and fucking go through your truck. <laughs> while you're there. Like the, the outfitting world is just full of scumbags and it sucks so bad because it was all originally like dudes who did it in the beginning were all good and then everyone got an instagram and figured out oh i can fucking book hunts like nothing because there's yeah. a million people that want to go hunt every year and i've i can make my money by by sliming these guys for three four years like at least i get to go hunt and do my thing and get to call myself a waterfowl guide but i don't know i mean i always pride myself on being really respectful i mean more to the landowners and the hunters because it's more of a privilege for these hunters to get a go and, and do this stuff with our hard work of, of finding these landowners because it's not easy to find permission anymore. And a lot of these guys that are letting you on are doing you a favor by letting you on. So. Well, that was a banger. <laughs> Where do you uh, find it's easier to find permission? Is it on... Uh, um canada or u.s um well yeah i mean definitely canada because we're the two places i'm at in the u.s are about the most hunted hardest to get on anywhere mm -hmm. we're paying a lot of money to hunt what we're on <laughs> and in canada you can't do that so but i don't know i mean uh, it's more the pursuit in canada that's so fun and it's not going to be like that in 10 years um it might not even be like that in five years uh the times i've only been up there for six years now and i've seen it change in just six years and 10 years ago i wish i could have been up there because the stuff i've experienced is nothing like what it would have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago but what we're going to see in 20 years is people like freaking claudio Angaro with that Angaro's adventures and shit like i've got a kid who works for me here he's 19 or he's 20 now um he'll be 21 this season while we're up there and we were up in claudio's neck of the woods which claudio called his neck of the woods not even close to anything about 
his neck of the woods. Like there's more, he'll get more no's than yes, but it's the only place he can get a yes. And so we're sitting there and Quentin is the kid's name who works for me. And he, he's up there and he's sitting there watching this field and he calls me and goes, Camilio just pulled up in a CRV. I'm like, Oh God. And he's like, and I don't hear anything from him for like 10 minutes. And he goes, oh, yeah, he just cussed me out, told me to go back to America, told me I'm a piece of shit, and told me to go F myself, told me this, 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 this. He tried to go talk to the landowner. The landowner told him to go F himself and that we're hunting this tomorrow. And I was like, that guy's like 60 fucking years old, dude. And he goes and just straight up just starts chewing out a 20-year-old. And, mm. like, I mean, that's just where it's going to be, like, it's the greediness of it all. Like it used to be so fun and fair and get up there and just go, Oh, like pull up. And there's a guy watching your field. It's like, all right, man, enjoy it. Shoot the shit out of them. I'll probably see her around at the cafe in the next week or two. And now it's like, it's like Arkansas. Like I've gotten in fights over field in Arkansas. And like, if I was in the same area that I was in Saskatchewan this last year, I probably would get in a fight this fall over a field. But where Water, we're at now, we're to, waterfowl we're, is such a cutthroat sport, and it's so it, it's dumb. so crazy, and it's over you know it, it you know it's over birds you know, like I I love duck and goose hunting just as much as the next person, but I'm not gonna go get in a fist fight over a you know over a field if you know if yeah. two guys have permission on a field like I'll I'll work it out and I'll if we both have permission let's hunt together let's work something out. You know, but yeah. you're not doing it for your livelihood like Trevor is here, you know. Yeah, that's money. the one thing. That's where it gets that's where it gets different too. Cause like like if I didn't have to go hunt in the morning, like I'd probably let you hunt this field. Like no reason why you probably couldn't go and get your ass kicked when I'm gonna go get my ass kicked anyways, let rather let you do it. And yeah. but it's like I can't because I have to have somewhere to hunt these guys because we're taking an ass kicking tomorrow, but we're killing a hundred the next day on a field. We've been sitting for four days. So I need somewhere to hunt. And it's yeah, the disrespect yeah. is honestly where, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big enough of a guy to hold my own that I don't really give a shit who says what they're going to say. Like you disrespect <laughs> me, I'm going to fucking pop you in the head for it. And so that's guys, what I was going to say when you're saying your fights, are you guys actually tossing hands or are we just yelling at each other? Well, actually, the first fight that I ever got in was that first year that I went down there, and it wasn't really much of a fight. I actually didn't land any punches, and he only threw one. Um, but the one that he threw was basically like a crow hop punch, and it hit me right in the forehead. And, uh, yeah, I was pretty dazed from that one. <laughs> I was, like, sitting there for, like, a minute, and he he tried to hit me again, but, like, when he did it, I, I guess I like dropped my head down or something and he missed. And then we were standing in a muddy ass road in Arkansas during a flood and he slipped on the ground and laid there, like, like laid down. I don't know what he did. He was down for probably five seconds. Maybe it was like a second, but it felt like five and he started to get up. And I just literally as hard as I possibly could kicked him in the fucking ribs, like right underneath the arm. He just went right off the road into the ditch. I got in my truck and drove off. I don't know who the guy was. And he didn't say anything to me. Just I like I I was a little hot. I blocked his truck in in the middle of the road and like started walking to him. And I was like, "Why the fuck are you following me?" He just gets out and just drills me. And uh, that was that. So now I'm a little closer with my words before I start cussing at someone the first time because yeah, it doesn't always really. Come <laughs> <with that. laughs> 
Doesn't always work out the plan. No, no. That, I don't know. I hope that the waterfowl world will somehow, I guess, line itself back out. I just don't see it happening. Um, honestly, it's killed a lot of the joy for me. Um, not even just the guiding aspect of it, because I don't mind the clients. I don't mind hunting every day. I don't mind, you know, the people that don't really appreciate it. But I, it's more or less the the gomers, the people that don't deserve to do this, that are doing it and sit there and bump their chests about all this stuff, even though they've never even like, never ran a hunt on their own or can't blow a goose call. And they're sitting here. Um, I've got open dates. I got open dates. I got open dates. Like no, no shit. You have open dates. Everyone knows you have open dates. Like, like, of course you're going to have open dates. No one wants to hunt with you. (laughs) And you're just, (laughs) they're all the good guys. Like, the guys who are actually passionate about it, the guys that actually have knowledge on it, like, and, and, and that's the outfitting aspect of it. Because before, if I was just hunting and never worked, I'd be like, yeah, just let everyone hunt all the stuff all the time and don't let there be outfitters. But from my perspective, I've seen it and it's not going down a good road. And I don't know, people will burn out because times are hard and they're not good at what they do, even though they act like they're good at what they do. But, just, I guess, just let time run its quarters. All right. That was a good little rant. I like that one. <laughs> so let's compare them real quick. Since you're doing snows from uh, north to south, what's your biggest differences between hunting them in Arkansas versus hunting them in uh, Canada? Pressure. Okay, which one's got the pressure? Obviously, I know which one it is, but yeah, explain Arkansas. why. Arkansas is just tough. I mean, this last year, not like, I mean, I don't know. It's, you can say it's tough, but we still do better than everyone else down there. Um, we, uh, we didn't have as many good hunts as we would have hoped for last year being on a good hatch year. But, uh, even from this year to the year before, I've never seen as many people down there. And the year before you could say the same thing. And the year before you could say the same thing. I mean, this year was insane. And like, I don't like, I'm not underestimating this at all. Um, it got to the point where mid February, cause the migration was already North of Arkansas by the time that the season even started, because they had no, like no winter, they were already in Missouri. They were already rolling through. And then that first week we had that huge giant freeze and everything came back and then everything pushed out as soon as it thawed again on us. And so we were, I mean, we were, there was more people and maybe there wasn't more people, but just because we were so concentrated, it seemed like more people. But if you were on a group of birds and you were hunting the X, there was someone in between you and the roost. And there was someone behind you in the roost every fucking time you're on an X. And I, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, dude, 40, 40 days straight of that shit. Anytime that we were on an X besides the five good hunts that we had on land that no one else can get on for 40 miles. Like, that's how it was every single day. And then we'd have those good, those good days where we'd rest them. We'd shoot the shit out of them. But I mean, still shooting the shit out of them. We were only killing 150. Like, and that, that's not very big for, for, <laughs> for John and Adam and Brian. I mean, 150 is like a fucking, they do that before they pour their morning coffee. Well, I want to have whatever coffee they're having if that's a normal day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a, that's a, that's a whole nother 
Brain, that those three guys right there, I would put them up against anyone on the entire planet as the most knowledgeable hunters on the in the world. I mean, any like deer, elk. I don't know about elk. I don't know if many of them hunted elk, but Brian comes out here in the fall or in the in the spring and whacks two giant black bears, and then you know John's killed some giant deer in his life, and it's, I mean they're just killers. I mean that's all it is is just born and bred killers and. They want it more than anyone else, and I'm very, very grateful to work for those guys because it was a it was a dream to always work for Snow Addictions and John and all those guys. And then a few years before I actually started working for them, I got to hang out with them a bit more and do some hunting with them and all that stuff. And then finally got the finally got the job offer, and I was like, "Yep, I made it! I made it!" <laughs> so <laughs> pretty cool to to work for those guys and and just be. Uh, just know you're in a crew that's that's in it for the right reasons and will be there till the end instead of just some podunk bunch of punk bunch of punk kids that want to just call themselves guides. All right, I got three more big snow goose questions before Ooh. we can just do whatever. The first one is you get to a new area you haven't been before. What's the first thing you're doing? Obviously you're going to go scouting, but like how are you like, what's your first steps? You walk in a new place, checked in the hotel, and now you're ready to go. Um, can't give away all the secrets. I mean, there's some that take a long time to know, but um, I don't know. Probably find the water, go where the water's at, go to the big lake, see what's up with that. Um, and then, yeah, go from there. I mean, just get on the road, just start burning miles. That's all you can do. Um, Look up in the air and follow them. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people really understand the amount of time that like the guys who do it full time, nine months a year spending their truck. But I bought a truck not last November, the November before that with 36 miles on it. And I'm pushing on 140,000 right now. So, and those are all, I mean, yeah, probably 50, 60,000 of those are hauling horses in the last year or two, but I don't know. It's, Probably more like 20,000, I would say. But all the other ones, just sitting there staring at snow geese and knowing that they're going to kick your ass the next day anyways, probably. <laughs> so that's another one now. When you're having a slow day on the snows, like nothing's working, and the ones that are flying are just miles high going, do you have anything that you can do about that? Anything you'll try, or do you just kind of just know it's one of those days? Kind of feel it out. I mean, because like if I was hunting by myself, and the first group comes out and flares, second group comes out and flares, next group goes out and lands in the next field, I'm packing my shit and getting the hell out of there. Um, if, uh, if I'm running clients, then it'll be a little bit different with the sense of, yeah, let's move some decoys here, let's try to hide better. Um, you know, try to get those birds out of that field if we have permission on it. Um, you know, it's, live birds are the toughest thing in snow geese, or, I mean, we've seen it time and time again where these old birds they just train they play follow the leader and there's sometimes there's no beating that like i mean there's nothing you can do some days um other days yeah i don't know it's usually if you don't shoot that first group you're you're in for a fun ride that morning um, so kind of a side off of that if you're set up in a spread like you're in one side of a field and they start short stopping you and they're on the other side of the field you know and they start making the live decoys 
do you just go and kick them out and then pray that you're going to get more in there? Because we've tried that and it just seems like the next flock will just go right back to where those other ones kicked off of. Or have you ever just tried to move everything over to where those ones landed and hope that that works? Um, you're probably going to run out of time before that. Um, you'll, you'll probably, everything will probably be done flying by the time you can move everything to where they want to be. And the reason that they're where they want to be is probably because where you're where you are <laughs> and they want to be there anyways, but they're going to go over here. Um, and I don't know. Um, the hazing thing is kind of a, a topic that's always been, I guess, there with the snow geese. Like if you have permission on the same field, I mean, in a sense, like you can go kick them out um, and be totally fine because I mean, you're keeping them off of the crop anyways, as you are hunting them. So it'd be no different than just going and scaring them up or shooting at them. Um, I mean, if you're running a side-by-side -side or a four-wheeler or a truck through them, like that's a whole different thing, but. Um, no, we usually, we yeah. just send one kid to run out there or send a dog out after him. There's always one dog you can tell he's the one that's ready to roll and you just kind of get him lined up and send him that way and he'll kick them all out yeah. and be happy yeah. to do it too. That's part of it too. And that's kind of the things that you never see in the YouTube videos of, Oh yeah, we killed 170 snow geese today. And it's like, yeah, well you didn't post the picture or the video of the guy running the side by side through them at first light when they short stopped you in two fields over. Um, but yeah, you killed them. So good job. But, um, <laughs> shooting like, I mean, if you're going to go and shoot geese out of a field, it's no different than you just trying to shoot them. You're just really bad at sneaking up on them when you're 150 yards away, you know? Um, but you got to have permission on that field, obviously. And um, if they land, like, you're screwed. You're not going to beat them. It doesn't matter if it's one, if it's a mm -hmm. cripple or anything. I mean, we've, we've shot geese out of a flock, and there's a cripple that goes and lands 150 yards into the next field. And then boom, that next volley's in there. It's like chest high chopped corn, and it's like they're literally spinning that one cripple that's laying in that field. And yeah, why not? Because when have they ever been shot over one decoy? If you have not heard yet, we are doing an awesome waterfowl gear giveaway to uh, start out season here. It's going to be a six week giveaway, one prize every week for six weeks. Uh, every episode will have one winner drawn in it and announced. The first winner will be drawn September 6th. The next one will be September 13th, September 20th, September 27th, October 4th, and October 11th. The sponsors that are putting this on, a ton of thanks to them. That's uh, Darkwater Customs. Uh, he makes lanyards and haulers. Uh, Pacific Calls is putting in two calls, a duck call and a goose call. Easy Deeks is putting up some uh, timber rigs. We got a case of shotgun shells from Highline Retrievers. And uh, Big Al's Decoys is putting in five dozen decoys with a bag. September 6th is going to be the lanyard. September 13th will be the uh, Deuces Duck Call from Pacific Calls. Timber Rigs will be September 20th from Easy Deeks. September 27th will be an Ivory 509 Goose Call from Pacific Calls. October 4th will be the Case of Shotgun Shells. And then October 11th will be five dozen Big Al's Decoys with the bag. So that's the lineup. Uh, to get signed up, you have to go to the pinned post on the Woods and Water Instagram page. It's W underscore W underscore podcast. All the details to enter are in there. Uh, it's pretty simple. Yeah, take three friends in the comments on that. Follow 
all of the Instagram pages for all of the sponsors. You have to be subscribed to the podcast. Once you've done those, screenshot the proof that you are subscribed to the podcast. Send that in a direct message to the Woods and Water podcast page. I'll see that. I'll go through, make sure you've done all the other things. Subscribe to everyone else and tag three friends. Once you've done that, I'll enter you in. Uh, there's a chance to get a bonus entry if you share it to your story. That will also pop up for me if you shared it, shared it to your story. So I'll, I will enter you in a second time for that. Again, thank you to the sponsors that are putting this on. This is an awesome giveaway. A lot of cool things in here. You guys aren't going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure you t- tell your friends about it. Let's get a bunch of people in this. Um, the more people we get involved, the more cool giveaways like this we can do. And uh, this is actually really, really cool, awesome one I'm very excited about. So I really hope you guys are too. Uh, if you have any questions, you message me. Make sure you get entered and good luck. <laughs> so that always, since you guys are doing those uh, like DSDs and stuffers and stuff over there, have you ever thought about doing that? Just like getting like two dozen stuffer snows and just trying it? Because we've had the same thing where you got like one, you could have a perfectly beautiful spread over here in this nice wheat field that's cut good. And then a field and a half over, there's some tall corn with a Walmart bag stuck to one corn stalk. And they'll circle that one corn stalk and drop right in. So have you thought yeah. about that, like doing like a small, really realistic spread and trying it? Or is yeah. not yeah, worth the gamble? We've done it um, in Washington. That was really before the snow geese really got to Moses Lake. Um, I mean, we taxidermied two snows and threw five lesser decoys and two snow goose decoys on the pit lids. And we had one of the coolest snow goose hunts I've, I've ever experienced. I mean, we were shooting them at four feet. Like they were getting on top of us and we were sliding those doors over and they were just right there. I mean, it was cool. Um, it's all location. I mean, really it's all timing. Uh, we use green head gears in Arkansas and Canada. Um, those DSDs are pretty yellow. Uh, I don't know if I really necessarily like how they look on a cloudy day. Um, but the green head gears seem to be good. I like the stake system and all that. And so I don't know. I mean, we've tried throwing a thousand decoys. We tried throwing 1200, tried throwing 50, tried throwing a hundred. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes the decoys are the variable, but that's the thing is it's like, there's a hundred things you got to figure out what's wrong before a fucking snow goose comes in and even thinks about dying. And you have the juvies and obviously, and that's one thing like, kill them like you said over a paper bag and just be fine but when you get on those hunts that you're not supposed to kill them like yeah that stuff does matter but at the end of the day like it's all about preparation it's all about your scouting and if those birds are pressured it doesn't matter if you're running stuffers or if you're running if you have 50 clones and nothing else and it looks like a 50 pack's about to land like if those things got their asses ripped out the day before they're probably not going to come in and decoy like you want them to and so well, that's when it gets tough. The farther north they get, like by the time they hit us in North Dakota, which is where I usually go after them, by the time they hit us, they've been ripped so many goddamn times. It's they, it's like there's you've either got to have juvies or you got to have like the perfect day with perfect weather where they just <laughs> want to land, and anything that white that they can find, they'll get on it. But it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough, and it it seems like even the perfect weather days it's too windy to get them to fucking decoy right. So. And then you have days like we had one, me and my cousin, where we were, we had shot a pile and we were just done because we had a pile of geese we had to clean. We had the truck and trailer in the field and they were still trying to land in the spread and we were just shooting with the truck and trailer in the field. Yeah. We had one one time where we had the pile stack laid out with our guns in front of them 
and they were still coming in. So I grabbed my gun off of the pile stack and threw a shell in. Well, it was because we had a whole line of snows. We didn't have any blues in it, and we were taking the picture. And I said, man, it'd be cool if we had just one blue to throw right on top of them. And we looked up, and there's just one lone blue just coasting in at like 20 yards. I went over, grabbed my gun, put the shell in. He was right there. By the time I got up, he's like 10 yards, folded him like five feet in front of the uh, pile of geese we already had, laid him in it, put my gun back down, and we took the picture. So yeah. <laughs> there's days like that, and then you'll go out for a week straight, and you can't get a single one. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's all about, I mean, the age class of the snow goose is where you're really looking for. Um, you get on that front line, that front line's killable with weather. Um, uh, that that push that, that push of geese that aren't pushing um, warm weather in the, in the fall and um, cold, I guess, warm weather in the spring that are like in the snowstorms every day that are going, going, they'll fly 40 miles north, hit a snowstorm, come back. Those ones, they're tough, man. Um, like we, uh, we hunted out of a pit in South Dakota. My buddy Jake still does. Um, I can't make it there this year. I got too much stuff going on in at home um, that I need to take care of it early in the spring to be able to go there anymore, but did two years there. And uh, we just did a big migrator spread and we'd run, um, we'd run a few feed hunts and those birds would push north on us and they'd you'd watch them leave in the morning and ride at dark, come back just a million miles high and know that they never found anything. Those geese right there can be some of the funnest to hunt. Now, I wouldn't say the funnest to hunt, not even close, but they can be fun to hunt. Um, but you can also like, go on a 60,000 bird feed and like have 60,000 geese come over the top of you and look at you and you won't kill a single one. And it's not like they're like 400 yards in the air. They're just like at a hundred yards in the air. We're like, yeah, you can shoot at us. You're just going to look like an idiot. Everyone else behind us that are coming to your field too. And then they'll just, I mean, they'll just hang dick out on you and just be like, yep, you suck. Um, That middle class, that's kind of where you're, up on your pressure thing because they're dumb enough because there's still some young birds that have never been shot at in there and then there's some other birds that haven't been shot at for a while um but i don't know the the, the secrets out about the juvie pockets i was not gonna say anything about it but the secrets out i mean yeah, everybody knows. everybody knows about that you find those pockets it's uh that's what you're looking for now yeah everyone everyone wants to hunt the young birds because they're dumb and easy um which I want to hunt the young birds too, but even the young birds in Arkansas this year, they weren't too easy. I mean, they were like, we, I found a group of birds that were off the beaten path by a long ways. And, uh, I know for a fact they haven't been hunted for probably 10 days, which the fact that they even got hunted 10 days ago was beyond me. And we get out there and they act like they got their asses ripped out for a week straight right before it. And they're just like, dude, every single one of these birds is a fucking juvie. Like, <laughs> and they're just acting like they're adults, like, cause they've been, they know everything. Like everyone's running dive bombs in Canada now. And it's like, dude, everyone just like, you used to go throw like 200 sock decoys and shoot the shit out of them. And you didn't want to throw more because you didn't want to ruin it for the rest of your, your season. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm bad about it too, but running everyone's running 300 full bodies 150 full bodies whatever up there because 
only shit that you could do to kill them. And I'm not going to go waste six or two months up there watching snow geese fly over me. But you get so the that's, days that, that's where you're at is you're throwing full bodies at them now. Like you're not even on silos or socks or anything. You're just doing full bodies. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have any silhouettes or socks in my trailer. I've just got full body snows, full body Canada's, a few specs, duck full bodies. So. Must be cool to have money, huh? I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's in full bodies? <laughs> it's all sitting in that fucking trailer. It's like, where's all this money that I'm making every year from guiding? It's like, like making pretty decent money doing it, but where the hell does it go all the time? And then it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, well I have my own fucking spread and all this and you know i don't know i only use it for two months a year in canada so but i don't know it's uh nice to have good shit there's a lot of really shitty gear and you're complaining about layout blinds and not enough layout blinds or if yeah i don't know if i have to use another panel blind in my entire life like you guys might not hear from me ever again the next day like i'll probably just bite the end of a shotgun and if you don't even get accidentally shot using a panel blind i would just rather shoot myself than use one (laughs) so i like having my frames there's a guy out of south dakota that they're pretty sweet custom a frames so while we're on snows real quick i remember my first one um, the first time that you were laying down there and, uh, you know, laying in the spread and you had a tornado come over top of you and you had geese like landing around you and it was as far up as you could see. Tell me what that felt like for you. Cause everyone that's done long enough has had at least one and they chased it for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of those. Um, not as many as some and a lot more than others. Um, but that's my lock-in zone man i fucking those things start twisting and i'm just like all right let's see how fucking fancy we can get and then i don't know i mean hunting with a lot not a lot enough good dudes that i get a watch from the side to know that yeah call it here don't call it here but i don't know i pride myself on good shot calls and and killing the most out of every single time um learned a lot this last spring with shooting with three shells in your gun instead of 15 because we get some pretty big, big spins up there in Canada and it doesn't make sense for you to wait for them to ball up because the guys aren't going to shoot their three shells fast enough anyways. And, uh, mm-hmm. you'd be better off just shooting the 15, the light in the beginning and letting those ones spin around again. But in Arkansas, you shoot those 15, all 15 are dead. And you're like, well, what the fuck was that? And you get those things <laughs> balled up. I mean, we had a hunt last year, um, toward the end of the season, um, we went, we went down to two spreads and so John had a group of guys um, and was like, yeah, let's go hunt this one that you've been watching. And I didn't know how it was going to be um, like the, the day before half of the birds came back. Um, after, of course, after watching it for a week and we're going to hunt, go hunt it the next morning that night, half the birds come back, half of them are nowhere to be seen. And then, they go to roost and they go and roost in a completely different field or in a different spot. We've never seen them go in the last week. And we're like, of course, like we waited way too long to hunt this, just how it goes. Like, was it least in the same direction or was it the opposite way? Cause I've had that opposite happen. Way. Yeah. Opposite way North. Like they're moving out on us and we're like, we don't even know if we should hunt this thing. 
Well, the first group comes in and they do it pretty dirty. And we killed probably like 30 out of it. We're like, yeah, pretty good start, like better than zero. And uh, the next flock comes in and I'm like, John, that's all of them. <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm like, that's, fucking, that's all of them. And there was probably only like 2,000, that, maybe 2,000 that come over the tree line. And they just come out and those 30 that were dead on, on the bottom of the field, they start spinning it. And we've got it on video from the side. Adam Mertz is sitting there. I don't know if you guys have seen that Mertz mic stuff. Um, it's worth it's worth looking up on Instagram. Uh, he talks to your he talks to the snow geese when they're coming down. And he's sometimes really nice to them. And then sometimes he's really mean. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> and he's sitting there from the sideline watching it. And he's like, don't land, don't land. No, 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 don't show stop, don't show stop, don't show stop. And then they come out and Kimmy's like, oh yeah, they're landing, they're landing. And we just fucking ripped them. And we ended with 185 that day and we only shot into two groups of geese. And we killed 30 of the first. How many guys did you have? Wow. Like 12. Wow. So they were on. Were they all had tubes or what? Yeah, we all had tubes and it was killers too. Like it was a bunch of dudes that knew how to shoot their guns. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, don't know exactly, and it's not confirmed, but we killed over 101 volley. And, and that was all John's shot call. I mean, I, I was watching him, we're watching him, and he calls it, and I'm like, oh, shit, I wasn't even ready. And, and we killed 100 out of it, and over 100. And That's watching the video, insane. like, I, I pulled the video out, and I'm like, video and video, and, and, and I'm like, oh, God, I wasn't even ready. And, like. I thought he called it so early, but nope. If you would have called it any second later, you probably only would have killed like 60, which would have still been awesome. But that's the John Olsen in it. And that's where, that's where it's fun hunting with those guys because you see shit that, that no one's ever done before. That's where I'm at when I hunt with Blake Lawrence. Like He knows things that I wouldn't even begin to know. And it's crazy about when he uh, – there's times where it's the same type of thing. Like he calls a shot, and I thought it was early, and then we go up and we just – we had this one hunt where it was uh, – canadians on this little uh pond it was pretty much like a little slough in the middle of a cornfield and uh we were out there and we had ones i think it was like a flock of like uh two dozen was circling down into it and they're about to land and i would have waited until they were like belly dragging on the water and he called it a lot earlier than i thought and we rained dang near all of them out and i asked him why he called it so early and he said because if they were going to land and they were coming across like that and i'm going to call it when they were landing we would have pulled up and shot, and they would have been going across. It doesn't take much for them to take back up and go off, and they've been going too fast. We only got a couple. They were still coming down when I called it, and by the time everybody got up, they were just about to land, and it was pretty much, you know, easy work. They're right there. So something I would have never thought of. It's people like that that have done a pile that know what they're doing, when well, to do it. The times when you try to act like a hero mm -hmm. when you're like, all right, I'm going to call it early right now because I know that they're right there. If I wait any, any second longer, they're going to get out. You call it like one second earlier than you would have, and the ducks like backpedal at like 40 yards and get out and go straight back. You've mm -hmm. never seen a maneuver done that way. And you're like, sorry, guys, I thought they were going to do this. My bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I posted a video on Instagram today, and I've got 15,000 videos on my phone from the last four years because I lost my phone four years ago. And uh, these are all new ones, and I'm looking through these videos, and I don't remember half of them taking half of them or even shooting half of them. And then uh, I'm like watching this one video. I posted it today and was like looking at it. And I remembered that one so vividly, like 
there was like four ducks that like came down and were like sitting right there and I should have waited, but I called it right there. And those ones that were in the back, like, I just remember looking up and seeing those ones in the back that I was like, if I call that right now, those four ducks are still going to be in and those ones are going to catch up to them. And it's going to be a fucking sandwich, right? When they come into it, these ones are trying to get up. Those ones are still going down. Yeah. We killed every single duck out of it. And it was like the only time we actually shot good in the three days with that group. And it was like that one flock. And I was like, <laughs> I literally, I, I didn't kill those ducks for those guys, but like, I've, basically put them in front of their barrels like to where they couldn't miss <laughs> and then there's the times where you try to call it and you act all fancy and they just slip out and you kill one and you're like oh, what's well, the what gets me is the times when you like you got geese or ducks and they're circling like they'll do a circle and they're like 40 yards and they'll do a circle they're like 35 and they'll do a circle and they're like 45 and then they're like 40 again then they're 45 then they're 35 and the guys that know when to call it on those it blows my mind because i'll just sit there all day and watch them circle just kind of in that range and they'll just disappear and then you didn't even get a shot at them and yeah. uh, the worst it gets me is like when you're saying is when you got like some coming in but there's more behind them but they're kind of at that range we don't know if it's going to work out like should we just shoot these ones yeah. or should we wait and see if we can get both flocks and then that's always the time of a nice wait and then this one fucks off that way and this one decides to go that way and then you get nothing everyone's looking at you like that was dumb we should have shot yeah that I used to be really bad at that. I figured now if uh, I got a group of eight, probably four of those guys are going to kill a duck, right? Or kill a goose that, that volley. So if there's a 20 pack coming in and unless that 20 pack is just eating shit, but the four pack in front of them, if they don't land, like the second that those four pull out, let's shoot those four. Cause it's going to be, you're going to only going to kill three out of the 20 pack anyways, with odd, odds are, but if you got a good shooting group, it's worth waiting. But like the guys that like the guys that can't shoot, I mean, you're better off just putting four ducks in front of them or four geese in front of them mm-hmm. and letting them shoot those because it's going to be so much less chaotic than a fifty pack landing in the decoys with wings going everywhere and this one that way, that way, this way, that mm-hmm. way. And it's like the guy that like you, I sit behind my clients if I'm not shooting at all. So I just every single time I'll sit four or five feet behind them. I can just watch everything and I can call. Everyone can hear me. Everything's good. I'll watch some guys like, I mean, in the video I posted today, the guy, as I say, kill him, guys. He goes, where are they at? And it's like, you'd really say that after I call a shot when ducks are in front of you. You're going to grab say, your gun and sit up. <laughs> Question yeah. my call in, on top of it. And then while you're questioning my call, ruin your own focus on trying to actually hit something and this guy he goes where are they at and he pulls up and goes like four feet to the right well it's like well fuck they haven't been over there all day what are you talking about there where are they at well probably where they were the last time and the time before that and the time (laughs) before that it's like yeah like i don't know some of these guys that (laughs) i've got this little thing and i don't really like care much about social media or anything like that but i got this one thing I'll post all these funny videos of just like birds just eating shit, like the best flock you've ever seen and just perfect. Just, and then you guys shoot and nothing dies. And it's like, I call it the shooter series. And, uh, I usually put banjo music over it. So it's like, like, you're like, Oh, like the banjo music. And then it's like the ducks come in and then everyone shoots and nothing dies and they just fly away. And it's like, god damn it like 
I, dude, if I, if I paid for a hunt, if I paid as much as I am for, or as much as some of these guys are for a hunt and I go and just absolutely make a fool out of myself whiffing on like time after time, it's just like, I don't know if I could live with myself. I'm just going to go sit and live at the trap range every Thursday that they're open for the next fucking year until I don't miss. <laughs> how long does it take you with a group of guys to figure out if they're shooters or not, or how many volleys until you know which ones are going to be shooters or not? Um, I've had enough of the same groups now where we really don't have very many new guys. So I know most of my guys, but usually after like the first, like, First one, you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's all based upon, like, how good that flock was. But, I mean, it's Canada. So, pretty much every day, you're going to have four or five volleys of just no better than perfect shooting opportunities. And, like, I don't know, have some guys that do really good. And there's some guys that do really fucking bad. And odds are, every group of clients you have sucks at shooting. And I am not. And I'm saying that by the group. There's usually one or two guys that's just sitting there fucking just drilling about 25 <laughs> out of 25. But then there's some guys that's like I have videos of people not even shouldering their shotgun and shooting three shells. And it's like, <laughs> all right. Like, yeah, you're probably not the one that killed 40 geese today. <laughs> yeah, that's... But so is that the majority know. of the time that, you know... I guess not to say that everyone's a bad shot, but it's a majority of the time that people aren't quite as prepared as they should be, I guess you should say, not as yeah. well-versed in the shooting yeah. or aiming. Yeah, and at the same time, like, I, I, I don't know, I'm a pretty decent shot myself. Like, if I had 25 clays, I'd probably shoot 20, like, you know, nine times out of 10 and not trying to bump my chest. I'm best shot ever, but... Like, if something's in front of me and I point my shotgun at it, it's probably going to die. If I'm going to try to head shoot something, I head shoot something. Like, I can shoot left and right-handed. And so, it's kind of, like, more of a natural thing to me. And I still have, like, three or four days where, like, I'm just not shooting worth a damn. Like, I put it right on there, boom, nothing. And it's like, like, what the hell? Like, it makes no sense. And and it yeah. and it could be I got a bad box of shells or it could be I'm just off, you know? Um, and then I always take that into account with clients too. Like, like that guy probably pulled that Benelli that he bought the last time that he went on a guided hunt out and is just pulling it out again this year for the second time. And he just bought whatever steel shot he could find at the fucking store. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> if I picked up a Benelli right now, I bet I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. You give me a Beretta, I'm probably not going to miss. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a lot of repetition, but I don't know. It's hard sometimes. Some of these snow goose hunts, I mean, in the spring, we get to shoot with our clients because we have Canadian clients and we're inside. I mean, I can shoot with my Canadian clients as I'm guiding. Um, in the fall, if I'm running American clients, I can't shoot. Um, so in the spring, I shot seven cases of shells this spring and, 45 days and it's a 50 bird limit and i don't know that i got close to 50 birds on a single day but there are some days that we'd shoot like 120 and i like know that i probably killed like 30 40 of those so do and, you do you keep like a spreadsheet to see how accurate you were because i know like that blake lawrence guy brought up he keeps an excel spreadsheet 
and he like counts off his birds per shot, what species, all that stuff. So well, like, do you... I, I wish I did, but I don't, I don't shoot enough and I don't care about my own shooting enough. I care about other people shooting birds. Like if I was just hunting by myself, I'd probably like be a little bit more, um, I guess like adamant about it, but I, I bought 12 cases of apex last year and there's not a blue shell laying around in my trailer, in my house, in my truck, nothing. There's not a single shell left of the 12 cases that I bought at the beginning of the year last year. So that's a lot of shots. Um, I don't know how many <laughs> were accurate, how many, I mean, I'm probably less than 40%, but I know there's a lot of times where in Arkansas we'll have a flock come in and you'll shoot your nine shells and they're the flocks leaving and you just dump four as fast as you can for shits and giggles and hope to cripple one. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of that, but I don't know. And in Canada, it's pretty freaking easy. And um, this spring was the first year that I actually got a shoot up there. So pretty fun, but I don't know the, the accuracy thing. It's that's the client's missing is that's going to be the forever tale. Like that's what we talked about. That's all we talk about is clients missing, but that that doesn't matter. It's just the the thing that sucks about it is is the guys that can't shoot worth the fuck. And then are upset because they only killed 40 geese that day when the limit was 60. And it's like, dude, I could have killed 60 geese and fucking six volleys. If I had two of my buddies with me, because we would have killed nine every single freaking time. Like, you know, it's like, it's, you guys had more opportunities and, and it's like, Oh, that's a bummer. I wish we could have limited. And it's like, we had a limit hunt, but you didn't shoot. Yeah. For a limit. Wes, ask him something. I feel like I've been taking this one over. No, no, you're good. So what's, what would you say is the hardest part of being a water, waterfowl guide? What's the, you know, what's the most time consuming or what's the most, you know, the toughest part? Being so young when I started, I would say just the, just the actual being out there and doing it. Um, I mean, it's not really something you can just talk about doing or the, not, the, I guess the way that I've done it my whole life and the operations that I've worked for. I mean, we go, like when we say we're hunting, we're fucking hunting and we're hunting something good and, and we're working hard to get on something good. Um, so I'd say just the effort, I mean, that's put forth, like the hardest thing about it is just wanting to wake up every day and go shoot a bird for not even for yourself, you know? Um, and the nicest thing for me is like, yeah, like when it comes down to it, you can look toward the money side of it and say, yeah, I'm going to get paid at the end of the day. But like, really like when you're 30 days into a 60 day job, like, you know, say you're making 300 bucks or say you're making 150 bucks. Shit doesn't really matter at that day. You're like, fuck this. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care about making any, I don't care about, you know, 300 bucks today or 400 bucks today. Like should, because in the summertime when I'm like, man, I wish I, wish I had money for this. Like, I wish, you know, I was, really wish that I didn't have that day off or whatever, but the days off are, are nice. And I would say, yeah, that's the hardest thing. It's just actually getting out there and doing it as I'm getting older. Sure. I would say leaving home. Um, I've got so much stuff going on here. I mean, we sold 30 horses this summer and it was, it was a really good year, but I don't want to leave. And this has been the first summer that <laughs> I don't want to leave. 
and go to Canada. And I know this is going to be the best yeah. year I've ever had in Canada. Well, say that and probably the worst year, but everything that we've lined up, um, you know, where our lodge is, the clients that we have, the guy I have helping for me, um, the preparation that I have, the gear I have, like it's going to be the best year I've ever had. And I don't want to fucking leave. Like it's, it's 70 degrees here every day. It's green as all can be with the rain. And I, I just don't want to leave. And so I could only imagine, you know, guys like Brennan Hudson. I, I like him a lot. He's a, he's, he's one of the best in the industry. I mean, he, he rips out, he's got a little girl and he, he rips out to Canada and he, he does it better than anyone up there. And I couldn't imagine like if I had a kid at home and uh, had to leave for that. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I have, I have two kids myself and I, I couldn't imagine just picking up and leaving them for, you know, 60 to 90 days, whatever it may be. That's, that's gotta be really tough on them. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing like, and me and Brandon aren't super close or anything, but I, I mean, I'll watch everything he does and anything he says, I take it, you know, take it and cherish it. But as soon as he's done in Canada after running one of the best operations up there, I mean, he, dude, he's straight drive to his little girl. I mean, just a fucking one shot straight there. Like I couldn't imagine having to, to leave family, I guess, like got my mom and dad here and, um, they weren't here for, um, probably the last like five, six years, they had moved to Mississippi and we're working on a job down there. And so it wasn't like coming home was really home. You know, it was just a place to land, but now it's yeah. like, they're all home and I've got this place here and we've got, I don't know, I've got six horses that I'll keep through the summer or through the winter. Um, and I don't want to leave those six horses. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> don't know why it's like, they're going to be fine. Like um, don't need them for, or five months but i don't want to leave them and i couldn't imagine if that was like a kid or a yeah. wife or something like that and... so i've got a i got a little bit of a follow-up question on the previous question so since you started as a guide so young was there a time where clients challenged you you know challenged your knowledge or challenged you personally to like hey do you really think we should be doing this today like you know being so young you, you know guys have that tendency so yeah for sure i feel i still feel that now i mean i'm only 25 now and like very rarely am i ever taking someone that's my age you know and uh like i feel like there's a sense of i don't know how to say it i guess but i feel like when the guys go and meet you say we're going to meet at the gas station like in Texas and they come up and they see a 25 year old Mm. kid that's, you know, that goes and shakes your hand and he's there 10 minutes early at the gas station. Like, you know, that's probably better than some 40 year old dude pulling up fucking smelling like beer. (laughs) And I don't know. I mean, I, there, I just don't, we just don't really have a lot of bad clients. If you'd asked me that question like three years ago, I would have probably told you a completely different answer. But like most yeah. of the guys we have now, I mean, every outfit I work for is reputable and they know that if they're booking a hunt with them, like whoever they're, whoever's taking them is going to be the best of the fucking best. And they, uh, now if I would have said that three years ago, pull up to some, yeah, I mean, they're like, like, who's our guide? And I'm like, I am. 
you're just a kid. And I'm like, I've killed more geese <laughs> than you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. And then you get out there and, and it's, and I, I don't know. I'm like always credited myself for being up to the job and, and putting on a good hunt every single time. I mean, there's a handful of hunts where I'm like, this is going to be a fucking gar hole because we have no other options. We got to hunt our guys, but tomorrow is going to be good. And it, there was yeah. never, there was never, I mean, 2019 was probably the only year that I was like, tomorrow's not going to be good either. And tomorrow's the day after that's not going to be good either. But I can honestly and like pridefully say that like, we don't take guys into fields that we think are going to be shitty or, yeah. you know, we, and that usually shows, I mean, go out there and I throw my decoy spread and I start blowing my goose call, the questions of how old I am and, if I'm reputable kind of goes out the window and they hear me blow my goose call, they're like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Like, he might not know how to call it the geese, but he can call it. Them. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. And, it, and it's all just about how you present yourself too. I mean, it's just about like going to a job interview. I mean, mm-hmm. if you walk in there and you're all fucking nervous. Your employer is going to be like, this guy, this guy's fucking shit in bed right now. Like, is he going to be able to do anything <laughs> under pressure? But pull up to the gas station and you're just like yeah, another day man like how you doing like they they don't really seem to question it too much when you start when you pull up to the field start just ripping decoys out of the trailer and start awesome man like, yeah okay yeah this guy knows what's going on but like i said three four years ago i probably wouldn't say the same answer i'd probably been like fuck no i didn't want anything to do with anyone that was older than me i wanted the young groups every time because I want the fresh group, like all this stuff. And now it's like, no, I want the most seasoned, the fucking richest, gnarliest dudes that are out there that want the bougiest hunt because I can put it on for them and I want to do it, you know. So when you get to that gas station to meet them, you're walking in that gas station. What are you grabbing every morning? Six Red Bulls and two Slim Jims or what? Shit, it depends on where I'm at. If I'm in Canada, we got the Allsup gas station and Will um, – he lines everyone out the night before so where you know when you're meeting who you're meeting all that stuff it's in a group text and and there was there was a while i lived south of town and we kept meeting at this gas station that had no that wasn't open every day and i like oh. i like we we're sitting there drinking beer one night with everyone and i like under my breath like kind of said something to will i was like dude you keep fucking putting me at this gas station he was like I didn't know it was closed. <laughs> and so didn't get to go inside for like freaking two weeks straight. And then he started, he moves it over like 10 minutes out of the way or whatever and get to go to the, go there. But the all subs, um, burritos. Oh yeah. The all subs burritos. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm usually a two red bull, two blueberry red bull in the morning, maybe some chocolate milk, um, like a croissant sandwich. And I usually don't eat this sandwich and drink both Red Bulls before I get to the field. And the chocolate milk is like sitting in the bottom of my bag for like three days. And then at the end of the third day, I'm just like, I have nothing else. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> nothing like know. three day old chocolate milk. I, dude, it's expensive to go to the gas station every day. I've been actually oh, shit yeah, it is. go to the, go to Walmart and buy, you know, 12 Red Bulls for $8 instead of, three red bulls for eight dollars and i'm like damn man this is adult winning right here so now when you're in canada uh i personally i have my opinion on it 
Uh, Timmy Hortons, is it uh, worth going into it, or what do you think? I don't think that you can pay me enough money to make me go into Tim Hortons. Every time I've ever gone to a Tim Hortons, I've shit my pants. <laughs> the coffee is trash. The donuts are good. That's all I've got to say about it. The coffee every time has not worked out for me. No, the coffee's terrible. Um, McDonald's in Canada is where it's at. I mean, for sure. 100%. No question. No question. McDonald's in America, eh, you know, if I want a shitty burger, but I want a burger, I'm going to go grab one from there. But like in Canada, McChicken's come in boxes. Like, even their breakfast diet. is better. Damn. I don't know if it's the meat that's in it or what, but even their breakfast is better. Yeah. The the sausage in Canada kind of gets me weirded out, but the McDonald's sausage is good. And the eggs up there in Canada, I don't really like the eggs up there. They really? taste like sulfur. Really? I think the McGriddles <laughs> are right. bomb up there. Garrett, I'm going to Garrett, I'm going to ask you, you pull up to the pull up to the gas station the morning before a hunt. What are you grabbing? Well, it depends on if it's today or if it was three years ago. Three years ago, if they are selling uh, alcohol that early in the morning, probably a case <laughs> or something. But uh, no, normally it would be like, well, it depends on how long ago. Uh, there was a time where it was uh, White Monster and uh, Red Bull, and I'd mix those together in a coffee cup. And then uh, it depends Damn. on if they're cooking something. If they're cooking something, I get like a croissant sandwich or whatever. If not, probably just a couple Snickers, throw them in the bag and go. Uh, more recently, probably a coffee. And if they're cooking something, a sandwich or a burrito of some sort. And if not, you know, Snickers, Cheez-Its, things like that, whatever to snack you through the morning. And now probably just water. And if they're cooking something good, if not, I'll just go hungry and drink water. <laughs> probably just water. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, there was a time there, like when I was working for a rancher up here, that was that was a thing every morning. It was the white, whatever it was, the white monster, and you uh, mix that together with a small Red Bull, and it comes out perfect in one of those big Yeti cups, and uh, it was, I don't know how I'm still going off of that. Uh, I don't, uh, in Canada, the energy drinks have like half the uh, caffeine. Yeah. And, and the- Oh God, well, bring... that's terrible. Well, yeah, tell yeah, them about I'll their bring... cans of chews. Their cans of chew are half the size, and they're yeah, double the well, price. Yeah, and they're double. Oh the, no, triple the fucking quadruple. They're like thirty six dollars. <throat> Every time I go up, I'll bring probably those little four packs of Red Bulls or whatever. Those little twelve ounces. I'll bring like yeah. fifteen of those up there, and be good for about the season and i'll i'll start drinking them like heavy at the beginning and then like halfway through the season like peter off and come back with a bunch of them but i don't if i don't have something i need it if i've got it there i won't i won't even look at it and i don't care but if i don't have anything of it i'm like a fucking fiend sit there and chew my ear <laughs> off like i need a red bull and it's like if i have a red bull sitting in my console i'm not gonna drink it but if i don't have one i'm like i'm gonna go get one and drink it but yeah uh we were up there in Alberta a few years, a few springs ago, probably it was the spring of 2019. I went up there with Nick Costas and we were staying in this trailer at my buddy Pat's house. And uh, <laughs> we grinded about as hard as you could possibly do. I know that the, the term grind has been very uh, saturated lately. Um, but, Thank you, Grinder Heinz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the, um, 
well, I can't even say her name on the internet anymore without getting sued. Well, not that I would get sued, but she'd try it. So, um, yeah, grinders, you know, it's, it's like, no, 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 that's not grinding. And you, the, the grinding that you have is a little different term than the grinding. <laughs> yeah, the guys that have been out there chasing snows for six months. That's grinding. And the girl and the girl in the club, that's a different type of grinding. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's um but we went up there um April first and we left like May tenth or something like that. So what forty days straight. We hunted like twenty six times probably in one vehicle um with my trailer. It was just me and him. And dude, it was unreal. What we were like it was spring. So, I mean, you're, you're not getting much sleep and we're driving an hour away from Pat's house every day to go hunt. And, uh, we find this little gas station that's got these, like, I mean, in the States we call them like Jojo's or potato wedges or whatever. Right. You know, those mm-hmm. little, um, we go, <laughs> we go into this gas station and they got these, like these potato wedges, but they're like potato wedges cut in half and then fried again or like into like, sections so they're like little like flop fry strips but they got like that breading on the outside of them so i'm yeah. pretty sure for like 20 days after nick and i figured those out all we did was eat those potato wedges and drink these uh rockstar blue uh burners they're like yeah i don't know we would drink like six of them a day because there was no caffeine of them just like basically pissed the or, or the purple color that, that they were by the by the end of the day. <laughs> I had a good question there, and it just blew my mind. Um, Wes, throw something at him real quick before you before <laughs> we lose him. Uh, oh, I've already. I, I was calling for another beer. <laughs> um, I guess. Before we uh, started recording, you uh, mentioned you shot or went after swans over at Freeze Out. Have you uh, got a swan or do you enjoy going after them or would you do it again or what? Honestly, before I even started guiding, um, the the whole way that I kind of got into the guiding thing was I was going to shoot some videos for a guy. um, And I was doing a little bit of filming then. Um, like I said, when I was in Colorado, I was filming for UFC fighter, Justin Gaethje and basically just like promo stuff. Um, but I went to freeze out filming, um, this company, um, it was like a, like a float tube thing with a bunch of grass on top of it. It's called the muskrat hut. And I was filming for that guy and he had the swan tag. So we went in, um, he had a tag and his buddy had a tag and we killed killed two there but um i don't know i just wish i could go to freeze out for the snow geese now well it's right there take a day off of snow goose hunting come down and shoot them i know i know as soon as they get past us though it's, i don't know it's it's weird they cross that border and it's just a whole different bird they get into montana and it's like they're immortal weird yeah i uh it's kind of tough, but I still love chasing them. We only get – when they come through here, it's such a short little period. Like we just get little sliver, and you've got to be in the right place at the right time. Otherwise, you may as well have not even bought the tag. But Yeah, what do you mean? Like like 
end of October, November stuff? It depends on the year. Like this last year, they cruised through with geese. Well, we had a really weird year over here. They cruised through because we were in touch with drought and it got so cold so quick. Like the end of September to start of October, everything busted through and that was it. But the year before, I don't know what it was. We were in a drought, but they, with the weather was mild enough that they hung out for a while. So it was good. And then the year before was like in between. But uh, it just, but when I say that, like we got like a two week, two to three week period, two weeks at the most, I would say to where you can be on them and you have to be in the right place at the right time. Cause they might be 10 miles North of us and they're not going to be down here or they might be 10 miles South of us and they're not going to be here type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Those snow geese are tough, man. I'm, I'm lucky that I get it, that I get to burn someone else's fuel chasing them. Cause that, that year that I went up there um, with Costas in 2019, that was, coming off of working for you know seven months straight and I didn't spend any money on anything and I had seven months of guiding money in my pocket and we went up there for 40 fucking days and I was literally borrowing money to get home like like it's expensive and, and those snuggies will I don't know and nothing easy about it but yeah that that spring we we spent a lot of money just because we wanted to go shoot a hundred for ourselves one day and we never did it. We killed 94 two days and it was the last two days that we were up there. We never killed a hundred for ourselves, but me and uh, me and Sam this last fall um, in November, we killed a hundred ourselves, just me and him. Pretty cool. So that's something real quick. How much would you say that tips? I, if this gets too personal, how much are, uh, tips like on your uh, yearly wages let's say Are they 50 percent, 20 percent, or how much does it actually matter when i first started this stuff everyone was always saying like the the tips i mean that's how you make your money and i mean you do um the world's gotten so shitty now so it's we're at the point now where like i'm not going unless i know how much i'm money i'm making and it's going to be worth it before the tips um and I'm obviously at a very privileged spot to be able to do that to where I've got some credentials to where if I say I want to make this much money, they'll pay me that much money. But two years ago, I mean, you were relying solely on tips. Um, you were making fucking dirt money because they were paying dirt prices to go on the hunt. You know, um, if some of these operations are paying 175 bucks like to go hunt per person, that's how much they're typically paying their guide. Um, and I'm in a good spot now where, you know, even if we get, even if we don't make a single fucking dollar in tips all year, our outfitters are going to make sure that we're taken care of. Um, but I mean, it's a lot of it. And, and the craziest thing is, is like, yeah, we're making money, but like, we're not making that much. And we're beating this, uh, the absolute hell out of our bodies. I mean, I'm 25 right now. And like I was saying earlier, I went through the medical system, got surgery and, I'm 25 and I'm like literally crippled like completely right now. Um, I'm getting better, but like I'm completely crippled and this is all from working too hard. I've got a bad back and stomach problems from exerting too much force for 220 days a year. You know, are you sure it's not the uh, Red Bulls and alcohol that caused the stomach problems? Cause I've got the same stomach know. problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm, I poop fine, but it's the, I, I don't know. It's the exertion um, force of it all. The doctor said that I work too hard for how young I am. 
is why I have the problems I have right now. And, well, I just um, put in a 75 pound fan drive laying upside down in a combine and my stomach hurts. Well, I did it yesterday. And my stomach still hurts. So you're saying I might, <laughs> might have a overexertion for someone my age or what? Yeah, you might have what I was going, what I have going on. <laughs> might want to get that checked out because it takes a long time to get fixed. <laughs> uh, no, um, I don't know. The The tip part of it is just the, the appreciation of it. You go to a restaurant and you see a hot waitress and you're going to tip her more, right? But it doesn't really <laughs> like go with how it goes in the goose hunting world because are you saying that there's no point in you staying in shape or what well i mean not really because the guys that are gonna want me anyways like fuck you're gonna tip me more because i I look like i do i don't want your tip anyways you know (laughs) have you ever thought about doing the uh just for men or whatever putting a little bit of gray in your beard to make you look a little more aged think you got some more experience thought about doing the just for men make it darker (laughs) oh boy all right. I had uh, uh, go ahead. My college baseball, my college baseball picture. I had a dyed mustache in it. It's pretty, pretty pervy. <laughs> um. All right. So we've got you for about an hour and a half ish now. Um. Before we go, I guess Wes, what are some questions you got before we let him get away for the evening? So what do you? I guess what are you looking forward? What what are you looking forward to most this year? What do you what are you looking to? Is there anything you're looking to accomplish or anything you're you're looking to? Uh, but yeah, anything you're looking forward to accomplishing this year? Um, basically getting to the end of the year um, is the big accomplishment. Getting home, I'm excited to get home, even though I haven't even already left. Um, I'm most excited for probably Alberta this year. Um, the area, like I said, the area we we're at, we spent two weeks there this spring and it was the best hunting that we had the whole spring. Um, a lot of really good connections. We're in a really cool area. Um, unlike a lot of the um, provinces in Canada, we have a lot of water where we're at. Um, and in the, the years prior, um, my boss is very knowledgeable and very, very good hunter. Um, what he says goes and he said that it's a really good fucking area and we got enough water to have a good year. So I'm excited to, um, to do that, but I don't know, just getting up there and doing it again, I guess. Um, another year of experience underneath the belt, but it's, uh, definitely wish I was a little healthier going up than I am right now because I can only walk around for about an hour or two at a time, um, before I'm laying back down and, um thankfully we got another week but just wish i was a little bit healthier going up there but do you got a helper this year that you can uh boss around and tell him where to throw decoys or what oh yeah he's a little bitch his name's quentin um (laughs) (laughs) no he's uh he's about as good as they come uh he's that 20 year old i was telling you about that got in a fight with claudio um he's yeah like i said he's hard working as they come you tell them to go do something that's going to be done right it's probably going to be done better than you'd have done it um he's from the same town that i'm at um and yeah it, it's going to be a good year he's a he's a killer he knows how to do, get it get shit done uh, we turned him to the wolves this year and one hunt and was like hey here's the afternoon go fucking roast them like let me know how you do 
he texted me a picture of 160 snows and it was like, yep, fucking got them. And I was like, Oh my, like, I didn't think you were going to kill anything that day. Good job. And so, yeah, he's coming up there and, uh, be good to get some money in his pocket for the winter. And so he runs a pretty big ranch out here for his grandpa. Um, so like, as far as him, like as being a helper, he gets paid by uh, the guide service, not through you. Right. Cause he's your helper. And then what is his like actual role as a helper? So I am, I guess, um, like self-contracted out from where we're at right now. So I'm running a different camp um, from the main outfitter. And then there's another guy that's doing the same thing south of me. Um, so I'm paying him technically. Um, and so he works under me. Basically, I'm takes commands from me, but like, I've never really been like that where I'm like, you work for me. Like if I don't want to go pick something up, you're going to pick it up. Like I'm going to be out there. If we're brushing blinds, I'm brushing blinds with you. You're just going to help me. Um, so that's kind of his role. And, and uh, he's not making a helper's wage. He's making a lot more than a helper's wage. Um, for not even only ever guided for a month and he's making what most guys are guiding, you know, what most guys are making after guiding for four or five years, which will, what i started making after four or five years so uh, does he, well, he cut in on the tips too then like is it 50 50 or how does that work yeah yeah for sure and then if, if we've got a three-day group or whatever and you know and um for some reason he hunts five of the six hunts like he's going to get pretty much all that tip i'm not you know i'm 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 not much of a money greedy guy i just you know i want to have a good time and have fun and at the end of the day you know make sure I'm not going to be pushing pennies at the end of the season or, you know, at the end of summer and need money for next year, then I don't care who makes what, you know, um, once I get a family and all that stuff, that'll probably change quite a bit, but, um, I don't know. He's, he's as good as they come. That's for damn sure. Um, send him out on a duck hunt. You don't have to tell him how to hunt. Don't have to tell him how to set up. Don't have to tell him anything. And he's going to come back with as you know, as many ducks as that hunt could have produced, you know, you might not pull out a hundred when you're only supposed to kill 50, but he's not going to kill 20 when you're supposed to kill 50. Cool. 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 Wes, you got any more before we uh, shut her down? No, no. I think I've asked about what I wanted to ask. Uh, Trevor, you got anything you want to tell us before we head her out? Nope, not after not after an hour and a half. It'd probably take me another hour and a half. But um, <laughs> that just means you gotta come on for a second one, right? Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Um, we'll talk more less about me and more about the industry or something like that, or more about the hunting, the actual world of hunting right now. But I don't know. Go off on that for just a second. The the way Instagram is right now and the whole guiding industry is pretty crazy just the whole industry really but hopefully it lines itself out like i said earlier and um the good ones prevail and the bad ones get pushed out the ones that are in it for the wrong reasons well as they say the cream rises to the top so yeah it should everything always does wes you laughed at that you've heard that before right oh Oh, yeah yeah. definitely The way that the the world's been going the last few years, it's really hard to see that. That yeah, it's gonna the the cream's gonna rise because it hasn't. <laughs> it's just taking it's just taking it a while. 
it's just taking its time. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it rises in a big way, but I don't know. The good ones are going to keep going good and the bad ones will be bad. And that's all we can, I guess, hope for, for ourselves that we're the good ones. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's do it this way. Um, if obviously you work for a couple different places, but if people are uh, wanting to get onto a hunt this fall, how would they get Trevor Bennett as their guide? Um, we're pretty late in the year for booking everything. Um, I know, uh, we just had like one set of crane dates open up in Texas. Um, Arkansas is about a four year wait. Um, Canada, we're, I mean, we're rolling in a week. So, um, if you wanted to get on something for cancellation or anything like that, you can get a hold of me, um, on my Instagram, um, phone number, give me a call, text. Best thing to do is just get a hold of the outfitters I work for and recommend me as your guide. Um, they know more about the dates and all that stuff. I've purposely stayed out of all that, all that crap. So I don't have to deal with any of it. I gotcha. All right. So that's good. Uh, if we get you on again, we'll, uh, do some more, uh, waterfowl talk, some more hunts, and then maybe we'll talk about some big game too. I know you like to, uh, chase the antlers around out there in the mountains so yeah yep. i got a lot i'd like I to talk a, about on that got a cool elk hunt in november um pretty general tag but it's a really really big area pretty tough area and you can get in there and kill some pretty big elk so we got two tags in november so maybe we'll uh maybe we'll regroup after that hunt or right before that hunt or something that'd be cool all right well thanks a lot for coming on uh you have a good night wes you have a good night too and uh We'll talk to you guys later. Will do. See you guys.